From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 140, and today I'm joined by Mark Weingust, a film scholar and nerd who has been on the podcast many, many times. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. All right, we're sitting down to watch The Hebrew Hammer. I'm Jeremy. Uh, I've never seen this film, and I only know of it because of... My name is Mark, and because I own this film, I've also seen it many times. I actually just watched it again today. Well, commentary version. What? But, hey, 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 You're commentary, alive. commentary. Oh, just so you could be all up on your facts? Oh, yeah, totally. You. totally. You're a Norm Wilner of this I shit. Need to, I need to, like, remind myself. It's been a while since You're, I watched you it. You are the guru. It's a of, yearly tradition. Yeah, you're of the two of us, you're the guru of this film, so you should have shit to talk about, Mark. Well, it, it's I'm just going to pull stuff out of my ass. Oh, this is a Sundance film. I'm yeah. Just, I'm looking at the case. Yeah. This, oh, I'm already finding out more than I want to know. <laughs> well, I mean, when I think of Christmas movies, I think Die Hard. I think Home Alone. I think It's a Wonderful Life. When you say Hanukkah movie... This is the only one? This is like one of three. Yeah, well, it's like eight, eight Crazy Nights. And what's the other one? It's a Disney original movie called Half Court Miracle. I should know. I've looked this up, and I've listed it on Letterboxd. It's the only three that that are like out there at all. It's going to go up by 67% this year because there are two Hallmark films. Coming out. Yeah, coming out. But what? they have nothing to do with Hanukkah whatsoever. Uh, I was going to say, you could maybe give, like, the night before a fraction a, of a, a point. Quasi. Quasi. Just because like they have enough jokes with Seth. Yeah. Uh, you could maybe give it... No, it's not a full point, but you could but, give it, like, a quarter. It's not, it's not really a Christmas movie for that no. one. It's, it, it's just more of a holiday, like, we all get together sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, It's all about togetherness. Which is really kind of like what all, you know, Christmas time... Is somewhat in a way Hanukkah is kind of all about. Yeah, you brought this up to me a long time ago. It's been on my yeah. list for forever to watch. And so I've saved this for you. I think it was even on Netflix at one point. Maybe it was. And I was about to watch it. And I was like, no, I got to watch it with Mark. Yeah. I've I think you're going to be very surprised by who shows up in this movie. I think the less that you know about it. The only thing I knew, and I kind of thought it was, that was Adam Goldberg. I saw yeah. the cover. And I know Judy Greer's in it. Ah, okay. I, I was hoping that you weren't going to I only know that because I'm in love with Judy Greer. She's and, great. She's uh, amazing. She's she's really good in this. She has fun. And I've seen it on her like IMDb. I've seen it in her pro- profile. I remember, but she's yeah. also in everything. So it's yeah. never a shock when Judy Greer shows up in a movie. It's always just a delight. Yes, because you're like, I'm about to have a fantastic performance that is probably underrated and underwritten. Yeah. But she's going to do a hell of a job with it. Yes, and working off Adam Goldberg, it, it's it's kitschy. It's it's very just like campy fun. So, how many way. times have you watched this movie? Uh, about seven or eight. Wow, I, I can recall. Is this one of your annual go tos? I wouldn't say annual go tos, but it, it, it's 
I mean, I just said that earlier. Uh, but I prefer to watch it with friends, those who haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah. It, like, I don't know. There's not a lot of explicitly Jewish, and I'm putting Jewish in air quotes, content out there. There's a lot of like references, a lot of stereotyping in this, because it, it's basically a parody of a black exploitation film as a juice exploitation film. Juice exploitation film. Nice. Yes. So it's even like a further sub-genre. Correct, and as far as I know, this is the only one of it. <laughs> Amazing, great. There, uh, although I will say, there is, they've been trying to do it for years. They've been trying to fund it. They've been trying to do a sequel to this with Adam Goldberg. Well, and don't Ju- tell me now. I know okay. Adam Goldberg survives. Well, it's it's don't. an exploitation film. Does anybody really? Does the main star really die in an exploitation? I don't know. Film? Maybe they're turning the genre on its head, Mark. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> okay, you know what? Let's dive in. We'll see what you think about it. Then I'll go into it. I, I want to ask uh, a question that could come off potentially... Uh, racist? Not ra- <laughs> I guess racist is the right word. Yeah. Uh, do you watch... Do you enjoy, like, Christmas movies? In what sense? Like, uh, well, I mean, you don't... Do you, does your family celebrate Christmas at all? Or are you yeah. guys just pure... Well, I know there's some people who are like... Yeah. They do a little bit of both, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, I know people who do that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't know your No, your no, that's totally customers. fine. I mean we love like we love watching um like Christmas movies in general. Uh yeah, you know, we've got our favorites. So for me, Die Hard's now been the classic because I finally saw it for the first time a couple years ago. Yeah. Like on the big screen, as I think it should be meant to seen. Yeah. Um, it's a Wonderful Life is always a classic, and uh, one of my new traditions this year is to watch Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, every year. I don't know that one. Oh, oh, I'll talk to you about that one afterwards. Okay, that, that one's a little bit depressing, but it's so good. See, those ones are barely Christmas movies. Those are all like Christmas adjacent movies. Uh, yeah, but even if It's a Wonderful Life has been co-opted as a Christmas movie, but it's just really the third act happens to take place exactly, at Christmas. Exactly. But there's not a lot of Hanukkah adjacent films. There's a lot of Hanukkah adjacent t- uh, TV specials. But it's like, like are there any like Christmas movies that are like oh. pure Christmas movies oh. that you like mm. or watch? Or do you look at them and be like, that's a bizarre culture that I have or want nothing to do with? It's a mixture of both, to be honest. Like I'm trying to think off the top of my head what films we actually do love. It's not like we put on White Christmas, even though Irving Berlin, you know, the amount of Jews that are involved with that. Yeah. In fact, the amount of Jews that have like written Christmas songs in general. It, it's just so weird how much like my mom, who's just an ex- an encyclopedia of like Jewish like pop culture, of just like oh yeah, these Jews wrote this and like all these Christmas tunes, all these Christmas songs, like. You know, Danny Cade being Jewish and being in White Christmas, or, oh man, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Um, lots. Yeah, lots, essentially. Yeah. But overall, you know, Christmas is not really my thing in terms of the, you know, uh, the aesthetic of it, the like, trees, presents, and all that. That's, it's, not, it's not for me. I do appreciate it, and I do like this time of year, but also the seasonal depression in me kind of hates it. <laughs> Yeah. Do you guys do like the Chinese food on Christmas Day? Um, Are some, you those kind of Jews? Sometimes we do. The movie yeah. thing is definitely a thing, and I know that for a. F- actually, no. Funny enough, when my grandfather passed away in 2014, this was actually um, not too long uh, after we did that Schindler's List recording with my father. We came across my grandfather's journal, and this is something that we never knew about. And so, it, like during the uh, Christmas in the 19. Uh, 19- 50s, early 1950s, he actually did go out for Chinese food and seeing movies with his friends. 
I don't know how really that tradition started. I don't know how it's pertained in popular culture, but it's so fascinating that it even goes way back to, to the then. 50s. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Well, because I guess it's easy to get a table and uh, you don't have to worry about not getting a seat. Yeah. Although a lot of, I think there's a lot of like, even people that celebrate Christmas that do move, they go to like see a movie in the afternoon yeah. on Christmas. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a fun thing. Well, especially now, and I think it, for a while, I don't, I wonder how long it's been. It's been, I think since I was a kid, but there's always like new releases on Christmas Day. Yeah. And, and it's I, usually Oscar fair. Usually Oscar fair or like end of the year blockbuster. Like this year we've got really coming up. Uh, or even a musical. So at the end of the year, we have Rise of Skywalker coming out. We have Cats coming out, I think, also on Christmas Day. Well, well Skywalker's, Skywalker's on the 19th. Early. Yeah. Skywalker's on the 19th. Cats, I believe, is coming out on Christmas. That makes sense. Yeah. Fucking Cats, man. I that know. Mo- that I movie mean, looks bizarre. I mean, I can't wait to see it. I hate Andrew Lloyd Webber. I can't stand the musical, but I want to see how Oh, I like Andrew Lloyd Webber. I just think it looks it looks fascinating and bizarre. Yeah. Uh, the Uncanny Valley. And when does that, Little Women come out? I think also around Christmas. Yeah, that one we're going to take the kids to see for sure. Oh, that one's that The one trailer's so amazing. Good. Yeah, I can't wait. Greta Gerwig can do no wrong. Well, we don't know that. She can do She's got no a lot of wrong. life to live. I'm just saying. <laughs> give her give her space and time. She can yeah. do some wrong. Yeah, she can. No <laughs> artist will, be, will have a perfect career. And hey, if they hey, are... Hey, Nicolas Cage has a perfect career. That's a conversation for another time. <laughs> when I am armed with, with facts. And I'm armed with emotion. <laughs> all right, let's watch this movie. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So we just finished. I'm here to answer any and all questions you may have of what you saw. It's okay. I, you know, I, I, am, I am not of the chosen people, but I, I have enough. Oh, there's the beat. Um... Yeah, I mean, this is clearly an inside baseball film. You know, it's designed with just, like, wall-to-wall inside jokes. Wall-to-wall inside jokes, stereotypes, things that may be just more relatable to an American Jewish sense, but because American Jews and Canadian Jews kind of commingle, it's... What's the difference between... I've never heard this... Okay, well, in terms of, like, American Jewish, like there's those that are very, well, I feel like I'm myself going to do a very bad job because there's so, there's, like, so much to Judaism, whether you want to be very religiously observant, whether you want to be culturally observant, whether you just want to be, you know, kind of, like, Jewish in name. Like, yeah. Woody, like Woody Allen, as far as you know, like, doesn't really celebrate the holiday, doesn't really, you know, pray all that much. It maybe, maybe doesn't even... Um, Heck, I don't know. I, I don't know Woody Allen that well. I don't know him personally. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, with with Hanukkah per se, it's not a religious holiday. It's not something that actually happens in the Torah. This happens yeah, they like say, beyond... Yeah, they mention it in at the end that it's, like, it's not even one of the high holidays. Exactly. It's one of these rabbinic holidays, something that happened after you know the whole uh, five books of Moses. After It's not canonized is what I'm trying to say. Right. The the whole thing about Hanukkah is that it was just more of a rededication of the second temple after like these huge battles, and in the temple there was the giant menorah and there was an oil jug there and the oil that was in it lasted for eight days of lighting it or like burned for eight days for all I know that's that's really in a quick nutshell what the holiday is about right 
what the true meaning of Hanukkah is all about, nobody knows. Which they they make a great joke of at the end of the film. Because nobody knows. Yeah. I mean, what is really the true true meaning of Christmas? That's always a question in these films, right? It's usually about well, family and togetherness, right? Yeah, I mean, if you, and if you look at, like, just the history of actually when, you know, if you, if you trace it back to, like, Christianity and, and Jesus being born, Jesus was born, what, like, June or July? Yeah. It didn't and even... Like, and, and, or March? And, I don't remember. No, 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 it was the summer. It was in the summer oh, months. okay. And then what, how it goes is that when the wise men showed up was Christmas. Oh. It was that time of year because it took them forever to find them, walk yeah. across the desert and do all that kind of shit, right? Okay. So uh, I think that's how it goes. That Jesus was actually technically born in the summer, but we celebrate when the wise men showed up. But for some reason, we've just lumped it all together as if like Jesus was born two days later. The wise men were there. Yeah. That's when you see like the the manger and all that kind of shit like that. What's it called? The um, the nativity. The nativity set. Yeah. yeah. So. In a way, the reason why people conflate Hanukkah being so important is because it's so close to Christmas. And really, in an American Jewish sort of sense, the reason why kids expect like all these gifts on Hanukkah is to kind of relate to their Gentile and Christian friends, that, that sort of thing, to kind of relate to them on that front. Did you guys do the gift thing? No. No, uh-huh. very rarely. I mean, as kids, we kind of expected it because when you grow up with Christmas just all around, especially on television, especially just like, you know, you come downtown, you see the windows, you see everything that's around, but not a lot of Jewish stuff. You kind of you kind of feel left out. Yeah. Which is, you know, at least in the beginning of the film, you see that. And, you, and it kind of feels like that. I mean, t- I kind of grew up in my own little Jewish bubble. So I didn't really see that little difference between, you know, being the only Jew in class while everybody else gets to celebrate. Then also I didn't buy, well, I mean, it's a comedy. It's meant to, it's meant to be uh, a bit exaggerated, but I'm like, why is he at that school? Actually, you know what? There, there are a lot of Jews that have uh, gone in the past to like, well, at least Catholic schools, the high schools, that sort of thing. Heck, I went to a Catholic school for summer school one semester. Uh, to get ahead and like do grade twelve English while I was you know after grade eleven. Yeah, I, I, it's pretty common, but like, yeah. not not like the full on religious Jews going to. Uh, yeah, and like, you asked me if that's what Christmas was actually like, and you know what? It's not far <laughs> off. You know, the scene is basically just like a shit ton of presents and people around a tree, and yeah, like that's kind of what Christmas is. It looks like presents threw up underneath the tree. Yeah. It's all colorful and nice while Hanukkah is just, like, gray and drab. And <laughs> I mean, it depends on the family. Like, some people just go ridiculously bonkers. And it's yeah. just, like, literally... I remember one Christmas, uh, like, waking up. It felt like this, anyway. Walking into, you know, the living room. And it felt like the entire floor was just full of presents. Yeah. Uh, but that was also the year that all I wanted was, like, Ninja Turtles. <laughs> and so my parents got me the entire... Oh, wow. Like, collection of... So it was just, like, a lot of small presents. Yeah. But I remember that, of being just like, oh, my God, it's a sea of gifts. Uh, and uh, and I know with our kids, we try to have it be less and less. But also, we celebrate now. We celebrate up at our, our family farm, and it's like my mother... We celebrate with my mother-in-law, her sister, and a nice. family friend, usually. So there's a whole bunch of us. Yeah. And whenever my brother-in-law is in town, he comes up. And so there's usually... A dozen people, so there's like there's tons of gifts because there's like twelve people. Yeah, you know, and it's so like with our family because the holidays just kind of spread out over eight days. Uh, 
like back in the day, we used to have the tradition of like going one night over to one set of grandparents, one uh, uh, one day like where they would come over uh, because it lasts over eight days, lasts over a weekend. Like usually we'll have family just come over for like a Sunday, like midday lunch sort of thing, get together because, you know, it's cousins that we don't get to see all that much, that sort of thing. And uh, with, and in terms of presents, like there, there aren't really presents that, you know, one would get on Hanukkah. You know, occasionally, um, like my grandparents, or no, every year, like my grandparents would give me and my sisters and my brother like money, like Hanukkah guilt, that sort of thing. But in terms of physical gifts, like I got a book, like um, a chapter book one year when I was like eight or nine, I can't remember. Uh, but usually I'll, I'll go out on Boxing Day. That That was my like... Because of the sales. Jewish, Jewish Christmas, yes. I don't want to say yes, it's because of the sales. It's because of the sales. Everyone goes out because of the sales. That's exactly. Like a Jewish thing. <laughs> uh, but in turn, like, with all the Jewish stuff that's in this film, there's a lot of stereotyping that kind of bugs me. Some that, you know, I really do laugh at because it is relatable. Well, isn't the point of, the stereotyping? It is, but sometimes it just feels like, eh, is that a it's, little bit too much? Well, there's a lot of, I mean, here's the thing. It's like, again, I'm not, like, Jewish by any means, but it's like, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit in here yeah. where it's like, oof. If yeah. I was to make, like, a joke with parodies like that, I would get lambasted. Yeah. But it's like doing this... In the style that it is of what it's trying to do. Yeah, it just feels like it's like, oh, you can be a bit more clever than that. It just yeah. feels like that's an easy... There's a lot of exactly. easy jokes in this movie. Yeah. Specifically, um, circumcision jokes, overbearing mother jokes. Um, oh, man, what else off the top of my head can I really think? Uh, there are some aspects But there's some that work well, like the whole, like, the ending and him defeating Santa Claus because of Jewish guilt was yeah. great because of the execution of it. Yeah. But even that Jewish guilt, at least... In its portrayal in like contemporary senses now, isn't much of a thing. Like you see the Jewish guilt more in the overbearing mother character. Yeah, well, that's that's the the stereotype. Yeah, but we also have like I grew up Catholic, and so there's there's Catholic like guilt. guilt, and, and it, that's different. It, it's like Jews invented it, but Catholics perfected it. Or well, something. but it's a different thing too. Yeah. Like Jew, Jewish, you know, guilt is more like passive aggressiveness, right? Yes. Where Catholic guilt is just more like direct. No, it's, it's, it's actually Catholic guilt is the kind of thing where it's just like you feel like you're always doing something wrong. Ah. It's not, it's, 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 it's a different thing altogether. It's just like every time you do something you're not supposed to do. Yeah. Like you just feel that, I think, oh, I shouldn't be doing that. I should be going. You know, if you didn't go to church on Sunday morning, you're just like, ugh, you just feel like shitty all morning because yeah, you're supposed to do that. And I, that also kind of plays into the Jewish neuroticism of it. It's like... If I'm not doing that, then I'm doing this and all. And then the whole, like, kind of circle of that. The, the, the one sequence that uh, kind of introduced me to this film was the the scene where he goes to the neo-Nazi, I want to say saloon. I know it's a bar, but he yeah. enters the saloon. He's got the Jewish star spurs, which is hilarious. It always gets me. I just love how there's small little details like that that you just wouldn't think of. It's like, oh, that's clever. Yeah, clever. and when he said "Shabbat Shalom, motherfuckers," and you get that wide-angle lens, uh, kind of like pistols coming out. Yeah, that kind of thing is great. Yeah, that's great. There are great sequences in this movie, and it's just as, uneven. Exactly, it's very uneven. It Which feels like shame. a bunch of sketches. It is essentially a bunch of sketches, right? Yes. And it's also like, what's the budget of this thing? I have no it idea. Feels it's a very so low cheap. budget. Oh, super! But I love it. But I then there's some moments that. where it's like. 
They clearly built a set there. Yeah. Like when they have the uh, the Jewish time clock thing. Atomic clock. The atomic clock. Like, like there's some stuff going on there. They put, you know, 10 bucks into that set at least. Yeah, exactly. You know, hired some special effects guy but to just, put on some lightning. But just the way it's shot, it feels like... Very cheap, very... Oh, it feels like it's a, a, a sitcom at some point. It's exactly. like a, like a three-camera sitcom. Which is perfect for Sundance. <laughs> Bizarre. Well, it had... To, like, yeah. the Sundance thing just plays into... I, I, I think just more of the marketing of, like, exploitation Hanukkah film. Something that nobody the uniqueness. Yeah, yeah, no one's made something like this. Exactly. And nobody has ever since. Clearly, why? Yeah. Well, if you're going to make a sequel, it's got to be with him saving what? Passover? Uh, no. So, I, I was going to go into this before, but now, now that we've segued into that. A couple of years ago, I think it was just after the Trump uh, election they were going to uh, something working along the lines of that where he was going to go back in time and it's called the Hebrew Hammer versus Hitler. They've been trying for years to get funding to do this and they have failed every single turn. And I don't think you can because the moment has passed and there's no way they can really... I don't know what else you could really do with that. It, like We've already had, in a way, Inglorious Bastards. We've already had our historical revisionism of killing Hitler. Yeah. So... Doing it with a bunch of Jewish stereotypes, I don't think would work, personally. Well, it's just, and also, and this is what two thousand three. Now this movie? yeah, this one was two thousand three, and they, tr- uh, I think it was two thousand seventeen is when they tried. There's there's still a trailer of it that the director uploaded onto YouTube, of just like a proof of concept trailer, it just more sorry a teaser trailer for the funding sort of thing. Right, were they trying to do crowdfunding? Oh, not. Kind of, but it's not like they say, hey, we're making this movie and we need you to support it. Not in that way. Just more of a wacky teaser trailer. Trying to get, like, probably millions of hits. Yeah. To prove that it would be, you know, beneficial to do this. And it does have Adam Goldberg and Judy Greer playing off each other as, like, they are married, but they're also in, like, different rooms. Adam Goldberg's, like, on the bed eating matzah. She's, like, in the kitchen cooking up whatever Jewish dish dishes there are. It's okay. Yeah. The trailer's okay, but Judy Greer and Adam Goldberg by themselves are still like amazing oh, actors in their own right. Well, they elevate the material, right? Exactly. And they make it work. And you can and you can tell. I mean, here's the thing, it's like the movie, for me anyway, is not as as fun as I imagine they're having making it. Yes. You know, they just they look like they're having a shit ton of fun, which doesn't always translate to being a fun overall movie I, I i appreciate this there's a lot of stuff yeah. that i thought was funny yeah. but there's a lot of stuff where it's just like oof like which stuff kind of made you oof let me see if i can try and <laughs> i'm trying to remember because i think the stuff that just did is just passed over me and oh, okay. it didn't stand out in any way it was just just was... go ahead you might well i i mean uh i kind of think like the kwanzaa liberation front it kind of like feels a little bit iffy to me like i do appreciate that it's that the film itself are Perry's of Shaft, Superfly. Sure. You know, films that I haven't seen. And they you haven't seen like, Shaft? I, haven't, I have never seen Shaft. I haven't seen Shaft. I, I did it with uh, Fab Filippo for, oh, for the podcast. Oh, plug that episode. Yeah, I can't remember the number, but you can look it up. It's, it was one of the early ones. But there are, like, direct references to those films. Oh, not even direct. Like, like, literally the opening song is, opening ju- song, is just a... Little shot in They've only changed sequence. the lyrics. Yeah. The, the, but everything it's still else great. is the same. Where he's walking through Williamsburg or some part of Brooklyn, he's coming down the subway and you see the hood, and you got to pronounce it with the h in there. And the the um, subway lines are J E W, 
two of which don't actually exist. And actually, no, I think no J exists, but I think that's a yellow or orange line, and E and W don't exist, or yeah. maybe E exists, but not W. Or maybe W does. Oh God, Mark! Nobody cares. I don't cares. remember the New York subway system. Anyway, then you've got the theater that has the Aleph 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 on it instead of the XXX. Yeah. And then you've got a bakery that says, or sorry, not bakery, but butcher says 100% kosher meat, all that sort of thing. Shots like that. Mm. Um, and then Superfly, there's a sequence where Tiny Tim is giving out the bootleg. Comp- it took a while to realize that he was Tiny Tim. Like, they didn't set that up. They do They do say it, but it kind of just flies by you. It's not until later on, though, because the first time you meet him, they play the Cockney thing. Yeah. But it's not clear there. It's not until later on that he, he literally calls him Tiny, Tiny Tim. Tim. yeah. And it's like, oh, oh, I get it, I guess. Yeah. It, it just like the sequence of him. that was one of my favorite terrible jokes was it's as dead as your leg <laughs> my crutch my crutch fuck amazing and there's no that that's I imagine that's an Andy Dick ad lib maybe maybe it, it, it's here's the thing I don't like Andy Dick in terms of you know just him in general but he's great in this. He's having so much fun with this. He's Andy Dick is a very specific flavor. And yeah. it's like you either like that flavor or you don't. And I'm like I'm I'm kinda like I don't seek out Andy Dick. Mm-hmm. If he just something. somehow falls into my lap. No, and if he's and it's not the same as the Judy Greer thing that I was mentioning. I love Judy yeah. Greer. She Judy knew, Greer is She uh, knew no wrong to me. But yeah. Andy Dick is just the kind of person that is just like if he shows up in something, it tells me automatically a specific tone this thing is going to be. Yeah. It's not going to take itself too seriously. Uh, and it's, yeah, they're going to have room for Andy Dick. Yeah, and then with uh, Judy Greer, I can't remember like how early on this is in her career. It's like she does serviceable in here. I really do like her, but it's just the 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 kind of campiness of the film doesn't like serve her that well. No, and this is, I mean, also it's just like the movie is kind of like firing on all cylinders in terms of like being sight gags or just overbearing stereotypes overbearing stereotypes but also it's just like it's not a great role for her no it's just like it's not the movie the movie i'll admit it it's not but it's it's her i can't i can't say it's great but the movie is also you know misogynistic Mm -hmm. it's also racist Mm -hmm. and not in a way that it's like knowingly racist it's a bit racist in a way that's like oof this is this is dated yeah, where it's, it's 2003 like, dated. Well, again, it's just like comedy. Comedy is the fastest to age. Oh, for sure. And, yeah. and we watch. Trust me, we watch movies from the 80s in this podcast. Yeah, we're very clear. But it's just like it's also yeah, exactly. And and of the time, but even of that time, that's where it's like the low dangling fruit comes in. Where it's just like they're making a lot of easy jokes. Yeah, that are like like almost like bro humor, but in a, in a weird way. Uh, it, like it, which sequences? Like, give me examples. I'm trying. I'm trying oh, to remember. I mean, this fuck. is the second time I've seen it today. No, just like just jokes about like the the sexuality and just oh, just, okay. yeah, just yeah, easy yeah. stuff that's like ugh. Yeah, because because the movie does so well in certain areas, you just wish it could. Elevate. It's it's kind of like the thing when someone's, you know, when you have that person in your life that is 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 a bit of a dick, but every now and then they do something really nice. Yeah. And you're just like, why can't you be like that all the time? You clearly have it in you. So it's like this movie has some great moments, and then it just really, really allows itself to like falter into this low-hanging fruit that you're just like, ugh. It's like 
you took real time and effort and care into some of these moments. It's like you couldn't have done that more. Yeah, for, like for me, the, the biggest contrast of that is when there's uh, the the Kmart, uh, like the Kmart meeting with Santa, and then the kids like chasing him. That stuff is great. And then when they get trapped and they go to the Jewish Underground Railroad, and then there's the that's port- a great that- joke, but that doesn't do anything. <laughs> it, I mean, like the the concept of the Jewish Underground Railroad was very funny, but then it's like take that out and it accomplishes nothing in the movie. Exactly. And for me, I kind of found that a little bit like, eh, that's a joke for me that really misses. And then going from there to the um, to the apartment dancing lovemaking session, with the exception of the talking dirty jokes. Of the whole like stereotypes of stable job. Yeah, that's funny. Raising, that's great. But then they put "Let's get it on" on, and it's like, yeah. oh, it's like, is that are they parodying the fact that that's an overused song, or are they just? Part it's of- 2003. I feel like other than Austin Powers, I don't think it was really used anywhere else. Oh, but it's, it's remember how it's used point. in like yeah, um, yeah. "Spy Who Shagged Me," I believe. Yeah, but even yeah. but here, there it worked for some reason. Here it's just like. It feels like Here it's been just, done. It feels like tacked on and done. And again, it, because it's a parody film and an exploitation film, I don't know if I can give it that pass. But the sequence, take take out that song, that like Jack. That's a good joke, sequence. Yeah, good sequence. That joke still lands. Yeah, it's still funny. Every time. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's what it is. Some of the stuff doesn't age well, and some of the stuff does. Yeah. And again, I don't know whether it's because. Again, comedy is the quickest to age in terms of, you know, it's made in the moment and, you know, people can take it for what it is. Again, going back to the 80s, there's, you know, some jokes that don't land, that would definitely not land today. You know, I would argue... the 50s that wouldn't really land today. You know what? I I agree with that when it comes to a certain type of comedy. And that's where it's just like, not, it's not, I don't want to call it bottom barrel comedy. But it's just like, it's it's not nuanced comedy. It's like, I look at like, I can watch like Billy Wilder movies, you know, most Woody Allen movies from like the 80s and the 70s. And like, the, they're still funny as shit yeah. to me. Yes. It's like, it's, there is some comedy that is evergreen. Yes. And there's some comedy that's, like you said, is made of the moment. It's meant to capture like what's going on now. Yeah. Like, I'm sure if you watch, you know, probably most parodies in Perturb, in particular, what is that word? Uh, parodies in particular are of comedy is the fastest age yes. because parody is, you know, by its nature trying to talk of the moment. But this isn't even that because it's like they're making fun of Shaft, which is a movie that at this time is already, you know, two or three decades old. Yes. You know, so it's not, so that's the but weird thing where it's But they're making fun of Shaft like, in the way of like, you know, the era of the you know, blacks aren't going to take it anymore from the white yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. We're going to make our own cinema. But it's the Jews. Yeah, that's who, fair. In a very funny way, because there are a lot of Jews that created the Hollywood system, the Hollywood, and you know, yeah. popularizing that, that are trying to put their own ethnic spin on this. But that's what makes this movie weird for me, because it's like because you have some great sequences that are evergreen. Yeah. You know, but then you have half that aren't. So it's like it's almost like the movie can't quite commit to one tone. Yeah. Like it's 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 smart. Like when it's being really really smart, but it's not even like there's some comedy. But it's that, all we have. This is one of three yeah, yeah, movies. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. all we have. I won't take which, it from you, Mark. 
We got. Oh, I mean, we gotta create more. I don't know how to create more. Quick, we gotta get. We gotta get Evie Fettergreen. I can't make more of these at all. <laughs> I'm relying no on way. you. No, I would never. <laughs> first of all, I would make a terrible Hanukkah movie. It's like I don't unless it's like I do it from the outside perspective. Hey, you could do a much better job than Hallmark's doing this year. I'm well. That's yeah. I'm not gonna shit on Hallmark, uh, but it's like I'm just saying. It's like unless you want. Like a cis white male's perspective on Hanukkah, a cis white Christian male's yeah. perspective. Not even Christian. I'm agnostic. Agnostic. Well, no, agnostic can work. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I I just don't have that in me. Well, okay. So if I can make a Christmas movie, if you can make a Christmas movie, let's start with that. Because for me, I, I had a pitch, and then it was it, it turned out to being very. I had an idea for a Christmas movie a couple of years ago. I had two. Actually, um, okay. Maybe not talk about the plot. Talk about like what aspect of it, like what themes did you really want to touch on? Oh, well, I was playing with like Santa stuff. Like one one idea had to do with um, no, it wasn't. It was a Cupid. It was, it was like a Valentine's movie. Then I realized no man makes Valentine's Day movies. It was called Cupid Junior. And and actually, when Disney Plus just launched, they had a movie called Noel. Oh with, yeah, with yeah, Anna Kendrick. That's very similar to that idea. I was like, oh, okay. I'm not gonna do that anymore. Uh, but I had an idea about a Rudolph movie, like a sequel to Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, and it was about his kid and uh, living up to the expectations of his father. Yeah, something to do around that. I, it was really good, and I can't remember it now. I'm not gonna say it here because yeah. I might still do it. Um, but it was it was kind of like a, a nuanced ver- update on on Rudolph that really. That I wanted to do in the same style, like the claymation. If I was going to do the Rankin it, Bass style, yeah, 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 yeah. I wanted to do it like just like that. But I had a really good take on kind of what would happen next. Yeah, in that story, that I'm, I should go back and look at it because I haven't looked at it in forever. Yeah, like for me, in terms of how I would do a Hanukkah movie, here's the thing: because there is no true meaning of Hanukkah. Like, to me, it, it's just more about family togetherness and... That's the best Christmas and, movies. Ex- exactly. And the way that I could probably try and pitch this one would be, um, you know, an overworked parent who's trying to do this for their family in honor of, let's say, um, well, not like Jewish guilt, but just more of like wanting to connect back to their you know, roots, grandparents, that sort of thing. Yeah. But they can't fi- find time to do it because really in, you know, Jude- in, um, like halachic Jewish law, you're supposed to do the candles not that far uh, after after sunset. Yeah. And, and so maybe it's like a parent who's like trying to rush around and, you know, have... Uh, like do it as a family at least one night one night this year we're all going to light the menorah and then you know it has to culminate with the final night with all eight lights like being lit yeah when I think of like the Christmas movies that I love yeah. they kind of fall into two categories there, I mean there's the ancillary like Christmas by proxy movies that are like diehards and those and those are fun and gremlins and all that kind yeah. of stuff but it's like when I think of the ones that I'm like that are about Christmas that I love they fall into two categories very okay. specifically one is dysfunctional family comedies, mm-hmm. in which you've got like even Krampus. You could say is kind of a dysfunctional <laughs> yeah. family comedy. It's a uh, you know, Lampoons. Yep. Um, uh, the Family Stone. Oh, which is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. yeah that people one. people know, don't think of Family Stone. Uh, and then the other kind of Christmas movie that I love are any variation on a Christmas Carol. 
or Christmas, no, Christmas Carol, yeah, yeah the Christmas Dickens, Carol, yeah. with the exception of that, whatever that Matthew Broderick one was, Oh, Ghost uh, of Girlfriend's Past. Oh, but not Matthew like, Broderick, Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey, yeah, yeah. yeah. Matthew Broderick, that's like Deck the Halls. Yeah, 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 no. <laughs> and so, but in particular, it's like two of my favorite movies are Scrooged and Muppet's Christmas Carol. Both of which I've actually never seen. Oh my God! You watch Scrooged. Watch Scrooge. I know. I love Bill Murray. We share a birthday. I, I, it's like I know about it. I've seen bits and pieces, but I've never seen it end to end. It's so fucking good. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I think this is the first year I'll probably show my son it. Uh, he's seen Muppet Christmas Carol repeatedly. Yeah. Um, and then Home Alone falls in there somewhere because Home Alone is just a classic. Yeah. And Home Alone, especially now that my kids are into it, like Home Alone, I've never seen my kids laugh as hard as when they watched Home Alone. And let me guess, they try to set up the traps now around the house? No, they don't. They never, really? No, they never like took that away from it. Uh, but when my son met Daniel Stern, he had like, it was like watching like his little mind just melt yeah. and blow. No, it's like, <laughs> I wouldn't say I felt like starstruck in that way. Um, probably the one exception was uh, when I worked on Portal to Hell and it was... Um, Roddy Roddy Piper. Yeah. And it's like, I love They Live. It's so good. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I have to keep it cool the entire time. It's like, nope, this is professional doing that. And I got lucky in that it's like, I met Danny Stern, uh, like through Skype, but a year before we actually shot the movie. Yeah. And we did a lot of phone calls and Skypes over that year, working on the script and doing other stuff. So yeah. it's like, the first, my first, I was nervous as hell the first time because he was just this iconic person to me yeah. uh, because of all those kind of things. Uh, but luckily, you know, within five minutes of talking to him, he's just such a natural, grounded human being that yeah. it was like, oh, you're just that. And by the time we got together in, in real life, it was just like he was my buddy. Yeah. And, and then it was weird going back and watching like Home Alone with my son after that. And it's like... It's, yeah, that's Danny. That's Danny. Just, anyway, I work with Danny. Danny's yeah, a great Danny. Danny's lovely. Good yeah. human being. So would you write a Christmas movie surrounding uh, Judy Greer? Try and work with her? <laughs> sure. I mean, I, I would love to. Like, she's done some Canadian movies. Yep. Judy Greer is 100% someone that I would work with on anything, any time of day. Yeah. She's fantastic. She's definitely on my list of people that I want to I wanna force to be in my movies at some point. Yeah. Yeah, she's great. But yeah, I don't really have... So it's like, I think for me to do... I think I couldn't decide to do a Christmas movie that I want to be part of. I mean, I think of my Christmas experience as a child, and I come from um, two like big extended families. Like My, my mom and my dad were both from families that have um, like eight or nine kids on both sides, and all those kids have like two or three kids. Yeah. And so it's like my mom's family get togethers were like 60 people oh minimum, God. right? <sighs> and we all, and we, and then now there's even more because there's grandkids and grandkids upon grandkids. And but people are, you know, people are also dying off. And then my dad's family stopped getting together after a while, but it was a very similar thing. So it's like Christmas for me was just this like this month of just like a marathon yeah. where we had just nonstop Christmas parties and like a big thing with my dad's family, a big thing with my mom's family. And then on, on, Christmas, we'd also get together with my mom's family again for, like, Christmas breakfast or Boxing Day and that kind of stuff. So it's just, like, it's a lot of, like, traditions and that kind of thing. And so I think, like, I have a lot of memories of just, like, childhood around Christmas and just little stories and things that happened. I remember, like, one of like, usually one of my aunts would always have too much to drink and lock themselves in the bathroom. <laughs> 
Like stuff like that. It was just always. Somebody adds a little bit too much to the eggnog, or just no. It was wine. It was always oh, it was wine. wine. But Mul- it was just mulberry like, wine. No, it was just regular wine. Oh, okay. No, it wasn't like it was a seasonal <laughs> it thing. It wasn't a festive wine. It was just an excuse. Oh, speaking of wine, I just want to clear this up. Manischewitz is awful. It tastes awful. I don't know why everybody keeps stereotyping that. Please stop drinking that wine. They it's got, good at ha- sangria. But why did they even have it in the Nazi bar? I don't know. I find it very funny though. Like five uh, five seven three three uh, would t- I think technically match up with nineteen thirty three at least like five seven three three in the Jewish calendar or at least Jewish calendar is kind of weird. Um, nineteen thirty three when Hitler came to power. That's kind of like a funny joke. Right now I think we're in five seven eight zero because yeah. because like the last two numbers kind of coincide with um, even or odd number of like what the year is. Uh, hold on. I'm, Hebrew year, yeah, five seven eighty. That's where we are right now. Yeah, current twenty nineteen twenty twenty Hebrew years five seven eight zero. Which it's like it's completely wrong in the movie. I don't know why it's five seven three four, or whatever it is. I have I now. I never remember. I had another idea for a Christmas movie. Yes, okay. and this is based Go. on something that happened to me as a child. Ooh, okay. And that it's like, because if I was going to make... And I'm going to say this. If someone steals this fucking idea, you're a piece of shit. Technically, this is all copyright once this goes up. It's true. I have proof. Uh, so the so what happened was one time when my uh, my cousin Trevor and I were very young. We were probably, uh, I don't know, seven or eight. Around that time when you kind of start questioning Santa Claus, but you still want to believe in it. Not just because it means extra presence, potentially. But just because you want to still believe in the magic of that. And you're like, but you're starting to hear other people, like friends from school are are starting to like talk shit about Santa Claus. But you're still holding on to it, right? Like my son's 10. And as far as I know, he still believes in Santa Claus. And I don't know if he's just fucking with us or if he like (laughs) legit believes in it. But the way he like sometimes asks questions and talks about things, I'm like, I think there's still part of you that really believes or wants to. And so we just let it go as long as he wants to. But anyway, what happened was um, at one of our like big family Christmas get-togethers, my aunt's new boyfriend, who has now been her husband for forever, uh, was we'd always Santa would always come and like the kids would sit in his lap and he'd give you all like a, a pre-Christmas present, right? Something small uh, or something big. There was a real correlation where it's like one of my aunts and uncles would always give their kid like a huge present, and we're all like, "Why the fuck did why did Santa give us?" Sh- these little presents when that guy got the big one. What the fuck is that all about, Santa? Why are you picking favorites? Not realizing now we know that it's like that aunt was just shitty and yeah. uh, and went overboard. But uh, so one time, uh, they, the adults didn't realize that my cousin and I were still up. And we were up in like the living room where the adults were. They thought all the kids were in the basement playing, whatever. And, uh, and, and my uncle comes through and they start very clearly talking about how he was just Santa Claus. And we just turn and look, and they see us, and it was this moment of like, oh, fuck. <laughs> we just destroyed Santa Claus for, for these two kids. And it, was just, it all happened in slow-mo for me. And so that was the moment that solidified there's no Santa Claus. Yeah. Right? But then, they, of course, they, it was like them backpedaling, going, well, no, you know, Frank's a helper, and it's not a thing, and it's, it's totally fine. He's just like, he was helping out, like, Santa Claus is still... And so my, my, my basic idea was like the idea that it's like, I, but it's also, you can't do this as a family movie because you don't want to fuck it up for kids either. Uh, cause I know other people talk about like the, someone else, uh, I think recently on the podcast told a story about, uh, how gremlins ruined Santa Claus for them. Cause oh. Phoebe Cates tells that oh, story, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And they're like, what? 
So, 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 it's, so, so it's a hard so movie to do. you don't want this to be like a loss of innocence film. You want no, this to be, well, I think it's like if I made this movie, it had to be for adults because I don't want, wouldn't want kids to watch it and then me to fuck up Santa Claus for kids. Because I think the story would be essentially be about parents still trying to like save the magic of Santa Claus for their kids. Well, the at fl- a time when they're getting ready to grow yeah. out of it. Hmm. I. I I see that, but the way I want to flip that around is just like you don't need to make it that Santa Claus actually exists physically, but as a state of mind, as just more of what does Santa actually mean for for yeah, the kids. and that's what the ending would and be that, about. Yeah, exactly, and that's what they actually want to retain. No, it's, it's I, you the, can't you can't just the movie have like that would, third act reveal. No, no, no the like movie Santa's. the movie is not going to be that. It's like yeah. Santa Claus. The parents realize that Santa Claus is real too. That makes zero fucking sense to me. Exactly, because you can't you can't have Santa. But it's just like you have to have some sort of karmic magic force to somehow come in. It doesn't make any sense. Like in the movie Christmas Elf. Christmas doesn't make sense. No, let's just say this. In the movie Elf, which I love the movie Elf, you know. Have you seen Elf? Yeah. Love great it. movie. It's anyway, great. but it's like the fact that it's like James Conn at the end realizes that Santa really exists. So it's like, in what fucking world does... Well, it's, no, let me just let me get through this diatribe. Okay, yeah. In what world does Santa Claus exist in real life where adults don't believe it and yet this Santa Claus still delivers fucking presents to their children. The parents know what's under the fucking tree. They know what presents they bought and wrote from Santa under the tree. So if suddenly there's like a couple more, they wouldn't be suspicious from the get-go. All of a sudden, this is not a mystery to them that they weren't going, hey, where those? did you get that present for them? No, I didn't get it. You didn't get it. Where the fuck did it come from? <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ. But then remember... Buddy, like, somehow gets his way to the North Pole and James... No, this is just a problem in general Christmas movies, where adults discover that Santa Claus is still real, and they they just stop believing in him. It's like, no! It's like, unless... I've just never seen it done in a clever way where they've gone, oh, no, actually, we made you forget. We made you think you gave those presents to your kids. I got the receipts, motherfucker! (laughs) I know what I gave my kids! (laughs) So, write that into a movie. It's like, there's no fucking way you're Santa Claus. Like, come on. I have an itemized list of what I have under the tree with the receipts still in there. I have a photocopy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the other thing that kind of bugs me about something like, let's say, Miracle on 34th Street. I haven't seen it. It's, it's one of the oh, episodes I'm doing. Oh, okay. I'm not don't gonna, don't I'm not fuck me up. About, I'm not going to fuck you up then. Nope. Nope. That'll Conversation's be... over on that. Let's bring this back because we got way yeah. off track. We're, uh, yeah, Patrick Haggerty and I are supposed to be watching it Wait, maybe even tomorrow night. Hold on. Is it the 90s version or is it the original version? The original. Okay. Not the Richard Attenborough. Why version. not? Why not do the uh, double feature and compare the two? I don't want to watch both. But you got Mara Wilson in the other one. I understand. <laughs> uh, uh, there's a very good chance that I will uh, end up because I do have a copy of it for some reason. My mother-in-law bought it, and so it's on my shelf. Yeah. She gave it to me, uh, even though I've never watched it. But there's a good chance that after watching the original, I'll, I'll watch the new one with my kids. Okay. Uh, or I'll watch the original with my kids too. Aww. But uh, we'll see. Yeah. But I mean, but I I, got, I can't watch the remake before I watch the original. Mark, what kind of nerd would I, I be? I didn't know which version you haven't seen. Well, wait, no. If you said that you haven't seen it before, wait a second. How have you not seen it before? It's like one of those. Are we like, gonna start making lists of movies we haven't seen and this, compare dicks? This is called black hole films for a reason, and I'm realizing that now. Oh God. Yeah, <laughs> this is the whole point. You don't shame me on my own <laughs> podcast about not watching some movies. That's the whole point of this, That's Mark. That's the whole point. That's why I started this goddamn thing. Yeah. Anyway, so what do you think of Hebrew Hammer? 
I thought I'm really glad I watched it. I never need to watch it again. Yeah. The I, parts are better than the whole. Yes. Like you said, it's very sketched like there's some great moments in it. As a whole, it's not great, but there's some really fun bits in it. Yeah. And uh, and it's elevated by, you know, fun people. It's like Tony Cox is doing what Tony Cox does. And, and what's funny is like this was released. Well, sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh at least what I heard in the commentary is that they filmed this before Bad Santa and this came out like just after Bad Santa. Oh, I was going to say, this is not his only Christmas movie. Correct. And it's just it's kind of funny how That's also the trope of like any famous like, you know, dwarf actor has been in a Christmas movie where they made fun of the fact that they were small. Yes. Like even Peter, even poor Peter Dinklage in Elf. Yes. Although I will say that of all the times they've used that joke, it's never worked so well as it does in Elf. Yes. which Because th- the character he plays is such a douchebag. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which is like, because Elf, Elf is one of those Christmas movies I actually really do stand because it... Oh, I love the, it. The scenario is, is so childlike and so perfect that it, it's just, I can't find a proper fault... With no, it. the blending of like the way they they use like that traditional you know Christmas animation that we grew up with, like the the old Rudolph stuff and yeah. the and, and the Burl Ives, and it's just like it's so charming. You just like any of the faults that I have with that logic thing, I just go, I don't care yeah. because I'm just entranced in this and it's fun and it's delightful. I think like some people have, have you know who directed it, right? Uh, sorry, with Elf. Yeah. Uh, Names escaping me. My mind's been like terrible. Favreau, man. Oh, right, John right. Favreau. It is Favreau, right? And and you know what? And somebody said nice. recently that that they they think of John Favreau as like Swingers. our generation Spielberg. Oh, I was like, that's interesting. An interesting corollary. Yeah, he's definitely like the guy that you go to for like great family movies. And like f- fun movies, he hasn't done that thing that Spielberg does, where he goes between the, like the sentimentality, the sentimentality one for him, one for them. He's yeah. doing a lot of for, a lot of for them. Oh, that's not true, Chef, obviously. Yeah, you know. But it's like I'd love to see him do that back and forth a bit more because I think when he makes like a really personal film, it works so well. Like, it works I, so well, and yeah. then it's like yeah, ch- sure, do Lion King and and all Jungle that kind of Book stuff. And well, Mandalorian's phenomenal. I, Have you been I, watching it? Do, I do not believe in Disney Plus. Oh well, then I I'm sorry I you're believe. dead. There's so only, I'm sorry you're dead inside, there, Mark. Sorry, I'm 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 like Werner Herzog. There's it's only not, one. There's only one streaming service I believe in and subscribe to. That's Werner criteria. Herzog is in the Mandalorian. I know, and he doesn't care about Disney Plus either. Well, he cares about the paychecks he's cashing. I can tell you that right yeah, now. Yeah, I can tell you that. Uh, and also, it's like you have to believe in it because it, it's a thing that exists. It's not it Santa is. Claus. It's not it like it is. But I I. Can't, I can't in good faith give Disney that money. They're only getting my money in two ways. One is through physical media sales. Yeah. And the other, and I'm not, I don't want to self-incriminate myself by doing it. That's fine. I have two children. So <laughs> okay, Disney Plus I buy me. senior price tickets at the movies. Oh! That's, that's what I mean. <laughs> what would you, they do if they catch you for that? They don't do anything. Have you have you ever seen a Cineplex worker really care about who goes through the thing? Because you have to hand them your ticket. They don't look. No, no, they don't look. You, no, me. I rip off the sides and I like I just like cover my hands over the whole senior thing. I show them the movie. I say like theater fourteen. I know. What's that have to do with Disney Plus? You just outed yourself for no reason. No, 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 no. If I'm going to go see a Disney movie, like I, like I know like half the uh, money goes to Cineplex, but half the money also goes to Disney. Right. 
Disney's also a giant conglomerate that also is like cradle to graving their entire fan base. Oh, and for sure. Well, why wouldn't you? They're exactly. I know it's a smart business move, and I hate them for it. Yeah, they've got it down. Uh, I mean, here's the thing: is like you're also like younger without kids. It's like so for that yeah. for you. It's like me. It's like Disney Plus just makes sense because all the movies are there. Not. I mean, we own a shit ton of them already on physical media. But also stuff like you don't own the stuff that's on Disney Plus. That's the no. Well, that well that's it. But we don't we, own we, like I don't have any of the seasons of The Simpsons, even though I know the whole format thing. They're fixing it. Give them I a know, break. I they're know gonna they're fixed it. They're fixing it in a few weeks after this comes out. It's fine. Uh, but it's like my kids are slowly going through The Simpsons, yeah. which is super fun for them. Uh, I'm delaying them a bit now because they're gonna fix the format. But it's also like all like the old movies like. Um, like the old live action ones yeah. that I that aren't like readily available. And if yeah, it's like you can't find like that. Freaky, I understand. Freaky Friday stuff like that. The original it's one from like the seventies. Super exciting. Right? Yeah. yeah, super no, exciting. That I can understand. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know if it's the kind of and if they I, and also they're you know the original series that they're doing. We're excited for the the Marvel ones that are coming out and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I it's. It, so just, far, so good. The Mandalorian's great. I I've heard and believe me, if if like, how do we if, get if, this if, one, if one of my siblings is actually going to get Disney Plus, uh, I will definitely trade with them either my Amazon Prime or my Criterion passwords with them to I I that's how I got my sister's Netflix. Disney Plus doesn't care. Disney Plus I think gives you ten logins. Yeah, which is bonkers. Nobody has that. I mean, I guess if you're in a family and everyone's got a phone and a laptop, yeah. You might need tablet, laptop. I mean, think of it: the amount of uh, parents that have small kids and have all these devices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that actually does make a lot of sense. Well, Netflix, we have up to two or three sign-ins on our account. Yeah. Anyway, and this conversation is is yeah, it's into like, this. exactly. Right, final thoughts on final Huber thoughts. Hammer. Like, I really do enjoy watching this movie with other people. I wish that there was more Hanukkah related films out there to kind of combat just the whole like Christmas genre we gotta find more good for the Jews content out there for 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 the holidays and I can't make it people so this is on this is on you this is on people like me <laughs> yeah this is on you Mark I can't yeah. uh, I can't contribute without getting one, sh- one day one day yeah you never know some nice Canadian content Jewish films do it I would uh, I would go watch that for sure you're just saying that to support me. No, <laughs> no, I like we. Uh, yeah, I who knows? I, who knows? Maybe in a few years I'll come to you for some uh, for some advice. Yeah, I can't. I I can maybe EP it without getting in trouble. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll leave it at that. We'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll do this off the record. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks for coming over. Let's all go to the. Thanks for joining us for the Hebrew Hammer. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.